Justin, I want to have a sit down grown up conversation with you. And uh, it's revolving around these. These are, you can sort of hear them. Um, these are conversation hearts. So are you familiar? These are like <laughs> yeah. those chalky. Brock's conversation hearts. Yes, I am. And so I need to know, again, uh, this is ser- like a serious conversation that I want to have with you. Just you and me privately and on the internet. Uh, do you like these? Do, do We like these, right? Like they're good, right? No. They're not. They're, they taste like they taste like um, chalk. Oh, but they're like good chalk. You like you really like them. I Elena gets these for me every year. She says they're actually really hard to find because they just don't really make them anymore. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Wonder why? Uh, it's they're so good. They're so good, dude. I think these are also like produced in Illinois, if I'm not mistaken. So do um, you have like do you have like a favorite flavor of them? Like, yeah, they're I'll, all like different flavors of chalk, but like they are flavors. So there's wintergreen, banana, orange, lemon, cherry, and grape. Yeah. Um, let me tell you the ones that are bad. Orange. Okay. The rest are incredible. I think grape um, is bad. I'm banana not a fan of grape. Banana is S tier. Wintergreen is S tier. Well. Before, before we get, I usually hate yellow candies. Mm-hmm. And on top of that, I usually hate banana candies. Mm-hmm. But before you even told me what the flavors were, I was going to yeah. tell you that the yellow ones, those are my go-tos. They slap. They're so good. They're, They're pretty really, good. really good. They're pretty good. When it comes to like, um, what are they called? Are you a banana Laffy Taffy fan? No, those need to go. Oh, that's the best one. So that's why we're friends though. So I'll eat them. Yeah, you'll you eat them. Eat the I'll eat literally every other flavor. Dude. Okay. So real quick. Um, do you know what Catalina Crunch is? Have you seen this? Catalina. Catalina Crunch. No. So, okay. So it is like a low, it's like a no, like a non-sugar, no like artificial it's all it's like an all natural cereal um that's like supposed to be like keto friendly no sugar vegan friendly uh and it's like all the rage right now uh and i ordered some and by some i mean five different bags of it it comes in bags uh five different bags of it uh which cost fifty dollars thinking like oh shit this is gonna be like my new thing and i'm gonna be able to eat this cereal guilt free right right Right. Well, uh, there's there's definitely going to be some sort of. It is the catch. it's like the most vile thing I've ever put in my mouth. Oh, like you okay. know how when you like put something in your mouth that's like not food, yeah. Your body kind of goes like, "This is don't don't chew this, don't swallow." Wait, this. wait. <laughs> when you put something that's not food in your mouth, like you're intending it to be food. Yeah, like like if you were to like chomp on like a like a packing peanut, your your body would be like, "This is don't." Don't swallow this. This yeah. is not food. Or like like gum. I get that same sort of feeling from like this is not food. Like do not swallow this. Like don't. Yeah. Okay. That is the that is the reaction my body has eating this Catalina Crunch. Um, and the reason I bring it up is because there is a chocolate and banana flavor that I thought would be really good. And again, it's one of the most vile things I've ever put <laughs> in my mouth. And I mean that's saying a lot. I will eat anything, and um, it tastes like. If someone took banana Laffy Taffies and like squeezed like the oil out of them mm-hmm. and just sort of drizzled that over, um, like really just cardboard, it's it's pretty pretty inedible. Do you want to know the only way I can eat a banana Laffy Taffy? Tell me. If you have a banana Laffy Taffy and then you yeah. have a box of mini nerds and you take that Laffy Taffy oh, and you squish it in there and then you get it and it's kind of like, like a, a nerd's rope but like the banana then becomes like the conduit to like connect yeah, the nerds yeah, together yeah. what if you 
what if you took a banana Laffy Taffy and took like a, like a cherry or I don't know the flavors, grape Laffy Taffy, sort of like put them together and then twisted them like a, like a, like a twist cone and then chomped on that. That sounds good to me. I'd, I'd probably eat that. I'd probably <laughs> I'd eat that. that. I'd eat that any day of the week. You actually, you did turn me on to Nerds Ropes. Those are very good. Those are, no, no. So Nerds Ropes are good. Have you had mm. the Nerds Bites? They're yeah. Like the clusters they're like, or whatever like a, they're called. Something the, inside of them. Yeah. yeah oh, no, no, no. The thicker ones, right? No, they're like Nerds Rope Clusters. I forget what the Nerds Clusters. Yes, I think we got them for you yeah. when I worked with you. Yeah, Nerds Gummy Clusters. This yes. is, these these are S-tier candies. Yep. Because like a Nerds Rope, you eat a Nerds Rope and like you felt like you've done something. But like the gummy clusters, you can just eat a whole bag of those and they just keep going because it's just a little bit, a little bit at a time, a yep. little bit at a time. They're pretty special. Absolutely agreed. Um, it's sort of interesting, though. I'm looking at these conversation hearts. It says, you know, XOXO. It says, mm-hmm. love you. And then it mm-hmm. says, this is weird. It's Hitbox? Welcome back to Hitbox episode number 132. That one got Justin. Justin was invested in what was on the conversation hearts. It was fake. I was like, what's going on? Are these like custom ones? What's going on? What have, what have they changed? I would, I would, if, if, if I knew you liked them, I would get you ones that said it's Hitbox. By the way, I'm not going to be eating these. You can know, you can see that they're sealed because um, there's no way to silently eat them because it's just, just crackling and, 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 and it's very loud. Um, my name is Peter Hunsbedeck, and joining me as always is my wonderful friend and co-host, Justin Makovich. Justin, how are you doing? You've gotten through the the that busy, busy part of the year. How are you feeling on the other side? Good? I'm feeling good. There's nothing quite as special as a four-day weekend, and mm. I'm currently living on a four-day weekend right now. And I'm so happy for you. I know. I like it's pretty special. It's pretty special. Um, I uh, I feel good, though. It's almost over. I am in the kind of like the final mile of the season. And many people say that's the hardest mile because like, you know, it's the last one. I don't think so. I mean, you see Uh the finish line. It's there at this point. Everything, everything is almost over. And you know, if you just keep going, you're going to be fine. So that's where I'm at right now. Well, I am happy to hear it. We're going to talk about some video games though, not the uh, ins and outs of high school speech. Um, here's a quick preview of what's coming up. Game Pass might be bad for games, according to, uh, for game sales, according to Xbox. Returnal flops on PC, and Nintendo claims to always be working on new Mario games. We're going to talk about all that and more before we do. Hop on over to our Discord, um, server. The link to that is in the description of this episode. Um, if you're interested in supporting us monetarily, hop on over to patreon.com slash hitbox pod, become a $1 podcast producer or a $3 deluxe podcast producer every single week. Um, we release an additional bonus episode. It's 30 minutes. Uh, we've, there's like 33 of them out right now. It's a deal that just keeps on getting better. If you can't do that, no worries. Oh, by the way, our deluxe Patreon producers, uh, you thought I forgot. It was a fake out. I mean, I did forget, but I'm, I'm doubling back on it right now. Jay Noel, Dave Parker, obviously. The real ones, day one supporters. Um, 
If you're not, if you if you can't help us out with your wallets, that's all good. Hop on over to twitter.com, you know the one, and uh, follow us on Twitter at HitboxPod. You'll be able to find our tweets and other information there. Justin, you want to talk about the uh, Metacritic Roundup? Let's go! Metacritic Roundup. Busy week for video games, Justin. Four games. Four of them. Count them. One, two, three, four. That's that's like that's like more than three and less than five. That is like a quartet. Wait, wait. Yeah, it's yeah. a quartet. It's a, a quartet of instruments. How about this? It's less, it's more than negative eighteen and less than eight billion. That's that's a lot. That's true. <laughs> and two of these four have the word heart in them and have made me very confused since they've been announced to come out this month. <laughs> It was all according to Conversation Heart's plan. Yeah, they wanted they wanted it to happen. That was their whole goal the whole time. They did. They were like, "This is it's February release for these. Let's get these guys around Valentine's Day." Let's the get first some love one, around this. though, uh, does not have heart in it. It's Octopath Traveler two. Now, Justin, you played the first Octopath Traveler, is that right? I did. I did. Um, well, this is coming um, on the Switch. It's also on PC, PS4, and PS5. Um, so far, it has two scores: one for the PS5. It's got an eighty-six. And um, one on the Switch, it has an 84. Justin, what are the critics saying about Octopath Traveler 2? Uh, they're saying it is basically a better version of the first game. Mm-hmm. Um, from what I'm seeing, a lot of people are talking about, I'll read a couple of reviews in a second, but what a lot of people are talking about is specifically the fact that um, the first game, it was very kind of repetitive with its eight different quests. Like mm-hmm. each one started kind of the same. They did the same basic thing. So it got very repetitive. Uh, but this one, it seems to be like there is a much more interesting, engaging story with each one. Each one is much more unique from each other and kind of stands out from each other, which I think is kind of cool. Um, but other than that, it seems like it is the first game again. So, I yes. mean, it, if you've played it, <laughs> you kind of know what it's like. Um have you what's your kind of read on octopath traveler in general what are your thoughts what is your connection to it are you love the art style uh i have no interest in this game yeah Uh, i mean this seems to me uh and i might be slightly off base here but like it seems to me like it is a game for people who love those classic jrpgs like you're like 2d final fantasies right um which i just have never really played so i don't really have like any sort of feelings about you know um but i know that if i were to pick up one of these new sort of um square enix games um like these or like your bravely default or your uh triangle strategy i probably would would start if i were if i were interested in that i would probably start with octopath traveler probably even two just because it's it's getting great reviews and like it seems like it's not like a sequel in the sense of like a direct follow-up to the events of the first one, but I could be a little bit wrong about that. Um, so the Nintendo Life blurb from Metacritic says, Octopath Traveler 2 is a triumphant and confident follow-up to its predecessor, building on the established foundation with welcome new ideas and tweaks that make for an overall excellent experience. A strategic combat system, open-ended character progression, well-written stories, gorgeous visuals, and an incredible soundtrack all co- coalesce into one of the finest RPGs available on Switch to date. Though it may be more of the same, Team Asano demonstrates mastery of the craft at every turn here. We give Octopath 
Path Travel 2 a high recommendation to anybody looking for a beautiful new RPG to add to their Switch collection. So when I hear that specific review, along with other, other reviews as well, that tells me this is that traditional, old-school, grindy RPG game. Yeah. Um, and they don't do much to change from the original game. The original game is good. It's just that... I, as a personal gamer myself, have kind of aged out of that grinding for hours to beat something. And they say this game, some of these are saying it's like, you know, a 100-hour RPG. Uh, That doesn't, that I don't hear that and be like, yay! Because a lot of those 100 hours in this particular game is about the grinding aspect of it. Not just like constant like uh, progression, not like constant like story beats and everything like that. Just a lot of the grindy part of it that I don't think is something that um, I need in games anymore. Um, and with our mantra with old games are old, there's a reason why I think Final Fantasy VII Remake is one of the best games ever to be released. Well, I don't think the same of the original Final Fantasy VII, and it's the same game, right? Like, it's the same basic story, <laughs> but, yeah. like, I think the gameplay in the remake is significantly better than the old gameplay of the original. Well, it, it takes 20 years of, you know, development in games into account, you know what I mean, yep. and, and goes from there. Yeah, um... I mean, I'm living that grind life right now with Persona 4 Colton. I'll be honest. I said I wasn't <laughs> going to talk about it on the show. Uh, I am in the third dungeon and just, I was like, maybe I didn't have to grind more. And then, no, you do. Uh, <laughs> I, was, I turned the EXP down because you can like alter like how yeah. much EXP you get from each battle. And um, I, I turned that right back on. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, that's the thing, right? A uh, hundred hour RPG I can get down for, right? I am playing Persona 4. Uh, I, I'm a f- fan of Persona 5, played it twice, right? Like that's not something that inherently turns me off um but it's also not some like i need more than just like this is going to be a long game right for me to to actually get invested and be down for but um i mean but like i said if if i were to to try any of these out i'd probably start with this series because um it is so well renowned for being um quality and and like uh like in terms of like the market like this is i think this is a very specific audience that it's going for it's mm-hmm. not trying to hit mainstream i just checked according to nintendolife.com um they say that octopath traveler the original one sold over three million units as of september 14th 2022 and that's oh, a that's significant that's a significant number um but that is not mainstream number you know that's not like yeah. your mainstream popcorn one so like i would assume that this game will probably sell similar numbers I mean, and if they just improve on the original game and make it better, I think that is only going to help um, with this sequel. So um, interesting. I'm glad I tried the first one, but I have no interest in going back to this one just because of what my gaming um, my gaming style is today. No, I totally, totally get it. Um, next up here on the Metacritic Roundup is Like a Dragon Ishin. This is the remaster of a, I think it's a 2013 PS3 game never released outside of uh japan i think um this is like the feudal japan or not feudal japan it's like 1800s right um, it's it's that part of uh, japanese history right when you have your samurais dealing with like guns when when those two things worlds collide. gotcha gotcha so, uh your your main character um is essentially like a gun wielding sword wielding badass gosh that's awesome um <laughs> so it's got it's got three scores right now it is uh i got an 82 on the ps5 an 80 on the pc and an 80 as well on the xbox series x it's also releasing on xbox one and ps4 um from what i've seen most of the people who who are talking about this game are really into it i think that it does have some of those um old games are old 
but not that 2013 is necessarily that old, but old enough, you know what I mean? Um, to potentially hit on some of that stuff. But, um, I don't know this, I think if like you said, pick, pick a game, Oxpath Traveler, this, I would probably be very down to play this. Yeah, no, I agree. I think uh, this would be a little bit more action-based, even though it's based off an older game and everything. And I'm a big fan of of the Yakuza series. I still get very confused now about Like a Dragon versus Yakuza, whatever that whole uh, thing is. Can you explain that to me? Yeah, so uh, they are trying to, like, consolidate their brand, and now the Yakuza series is just called Like a Dragon. So so this is a part of the Yakuza series, um, but... It was called like a, it's called like a dragon in uh, Japan. And so now they're just saying nope, it's it. called like a dragon everywhere because I mean, it, like, it'd be weird. Like, I think I, I'm not super well versed in these games, but I think it would be weird to call this game Yakuza. Yeah. Ishin, right. Yeah. So they're just going like like a dragon Ishin. Even though a lot of the characters are like descendants or like lookalikes and yeah, like yeah. avatar like from the original games, but like back in the 1860s or whatever. Um, so, okay. So it's kind of like if all of a sudden Resident Evil is like, all right, we're going to be called biohazard everywhere. <laughs> yes. And it'll be like, okay, okay <laughs> well, I'm waiting, I'm waiting for that day. Um, but, um, it's basically a spinoff of, of those games. It looks a little bit more action based than, um, what we get with, uh, the like a dragon, um, turn-based games. Um, and instead of it just being a straight up beat up with like punching and kicking, it's a beat up with sword combat and gun combat. Um, and there's different styles of combat that you can choose from, like, uh, in the, the traditional Yakuza games, there's like different like fighting styles that you can use. And in this one, there's different like weapon styles that you can use gun based, sword based, katana based, whatever it is. Um, so, I mean, it looks pretty similar to what you would expect in a traditional American Yakuza game, except mm-hmm. it's set in feudal Japan, which if you're into those games, it's a nice mix up from what you're used to. So as someone who is a fan of those games, you, does this look interesting to you? Does this look like something you'd be down for? It it does to a certain point. I think while I'm interested in these games, I think one of the things that stands out to me about it is the fact that the more of them I would play, the more similar they become. Because I first jumped into this series with uh, Like a Dragon when, when that one came out. And I was in love with it. I was like, this is like the tone of this is hilarious. I love where yeah. it's going. I love the combat system with it. Um, and then when I played Judgment, I was like, okay, this is a little same game, but different combat. I'm getting it. And then I've gone back to try to play a couple of the other Yakuza games. And I'm like, oh, no, this is just that again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so I just wonder, because are, are they coming out with another uh, turn-based one this year? Isn't that the hope? I don't. I don't. Okay, I will say. Now, this is, needs to be explained to me. What's going on with this series? <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, I think so. Like, I, I think maybe. Yeah. Would that be like a dragon nine or would that be like a dragon eight? What was what was Yakuza like a dragon? <laughs> oh, my God. Um. So when when <laughs> Yakuza like a dragon came out, when it was we're, still we're, just the American version, that was the turn based one. They're yes. coming out with a sequel to the turn based one, which I don't know exactly what it is going to be called right now. I think it's Yakuza Like a Dragon 8. Is what is that, that character's name? The main character? Ky- uh, Kiryu? No, what was the main no. character from? Maybe That is a main character in Yakuza, but who was the main character from Yakuza? <laughs> Cola, like I a dragon. He, he really liked dra- uh, uh, Dragon Dubs- Quest. He loves dubstep <laughs> uh, and Dragon uh, Ichiban Quest. Ichiban Kasuga. Ichiban Kasuga, yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
This <laughs> looks. I, I would be interested to try this game. Yeah. So it's allegedly the Yakuza Eight, like a dragon, is coming out in 2024. It looks like. Which is the sequel to Yakuza Like a Dragon. Yeah, yeah. Wow. I'll say this. It's confusing right now, but they did themselves a favor by just being like, you know what? We're just going to do that. We're going to pull the Band-Aid off. Yeah. We're we're going to confuse people (laughs) for a minute. This will be a very confusing cycle. We're going to release two bomb-ass games back-to-back. No one will be confused anymore. Exactly. You know what I mean? Like, like it will be weird for, like, six to seven months, and then it'll all be, it'll all make sense. Um I, I, so, I, I'm, I'm going to go back. I highly recommend Yakuza Like a Dragon, the RPG one with the turn-based combat. It is goofy in the best way possible. Um, I think the combat is way better than the um, kind of like action combat of the other Yakuza and Judgment games. Yeah. Um, did Have you played that one? Judgment? No. No, no, no. Uh, Yakuza Like a Dragon. Yeah, I played maybe five hours of it. I got to where... Oh, man. Maybe the, second, the first dungeon? We... I was in the homeless camp. Yeah, yeah. And then I, I didn't stop because I didn't want to keep playing it. I just stopped because because life time. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's like one of those things that I, I really think liked the, it. the first like eight hours is pretty standard. But by the time you get all your characters and you have like more choice and who like what characters you're playing with, it really opens yeah. up to a very good RPG combat game um, sure. that I'm a fan of. So I'm looking forward to it uh, when that one comes out in terms of like a dragon Ishin. To be honest, it looks more like the the Yakuza games with the kind of beat 'em up style. Um, so I don't know how interested I am in playing this game, though the ratings look pretty damn good. Wait, were the Yakuza games beat 'em ups? Yeah, but like Yakuza, like a dragon, was not. That was an RPG. That was like the first in the series. They changed it, so then they're basically oh, okay. having the the. Uh, uh, was it like Judgment is going to be their beat em up ones? Yeah, I'm, I yeah, think okay. that's what they're doing with it. And then the games with Ichiban Kasuga will be more of the RPG games. Got it. Again, confusing now, but eventually. <laughs> it'll make more <laughs> it'll sense. It'll make sense. Yeah. Um, so there you go. Next up. We're we're moving at a clip. By the way, I still have one of my favorite, like most like badass songs. I love the the beginning fighting song for all the like a dragon battles. It's just like a very simple like like just like nice little music that goes on. I always imagine that when I'm about to get ready to fight someone, like I do every week. Yeah, I was gonna say I know how aggressive you are. Yeah, yeah. Um, Yeah. Up next in the Metacritic roundup here, Atomic Heart. Um, This was a game that was featured on some Xbox showcases on account of it being a um, Xbox Game Pass Day 1 release. Um, Despite that, it is not an Xbox exclusive. No, it has three scores, one for PC, one for Xbox Series X, one for PS5. On PC, it scored a 78. On Xbox Series X, a 72. And PS5, a 74. Um... Uh, that's all it's releasing on the, uh, this is a first person shooter kind of inspired by bioshock and wolfenstein the the new wolfenstein games um that is um it's kind of like an alternate history where the soviet union um lasted longer than i think it did right yeah um I, I, I'll, I'll be honest, this game kind of flew under the radar for me up until pretty much right now, up until release uh, where people are talking about it. Um, it seems kind of like people are kind of mixed. Some people are saying that it's that it's um, 
combat is a little samey, although it is good. The enemy variety is not great, and the enemies get a little spongy. Um, people are saying that the writing is is pretty abysmal. <laughs> Um, I mean, I, like I've I've seen some clips, and yeah, this main character sounds like he just sucks. Um, he's just like playing like a gruff, cool guy, you know what I mean? But like all the time, and so it's just a little grating. Um, but uh, what what do you think about this? So this game, like, definitely, like, if you're looking for an inspiration for what this game is like, it's like Bioshock, except the main character is like someone out of like. Uh, your broy shooter kind of thing. Like he swears at the wrong times. Yeah, uh, swears like a really toddler. Like Duke by the way, one of my favorite compliments ever by one of my high school teachers was, "You know what, Justin? You swear really well." Like that was one of my high school teachers oh, said it to wow. my face, and I was like, "All right, I ain't getting trouble for that." Um, but this character does not swear well. <laughs> no. It's like if they just put shit into like every sentence just because they can. Um, but basically, it's like a Bioshock because um, it's a first-person shooter. But the twist to this is that it's an alternate history in which instead of plasmids, you have a glove. And mm-hmm. your glove is like an AI glove that has these tendrils that can like interact with the world. Um, whether it is to program things, to uh, grab things and shoot things at enemies, uh, whether it is to shock them, uh, send out like different elemental blasts and stuff to them. And it's like talking to you. So much like uh, Forspoken <laughs> in terms of it like being an AI that can talk to you, oh, it is essentially your conduit for having power. So you generally yeah, shoot okay. and then you use your little glove to do um, like attacks and stuff. So that's kind of like the the gist of it. I think the game personally looks really pretty. Um it's I was gr- going to say, like, in terms of, like, visuals, I, like, I'm kind of on board with this whole aesthetic here. Like, it yeah. is very, it's a very good looking game. Yeah. Apparently sem- it runs really well, too. Yeah, semi-open world shooter that you have this open hub world, and then you go to these, like, levels that are basically quarters that you, go like, mm-hmm. kind of go through that have puzzles in them. They're, like, environmental puzzles that you have to deal with, also shooting. And it's basically, like, AI's taken over, and you got to stop them, more or less. Okay. And then deep down in the caverns, there's these spooky, like, human splicer things things that are like uh basically taken over by plants a la last of us uh that you kind of have to deal with enemies so you get your robot enemies big scary robots and then deep underground creepy human plant things that come and attack you um the music is also done by the people who did uh doom and uh there's another one that that the, the producer did um doom and uh, World uh, War II. Uh, Wolfenstein? Black- yeah, Wolfenstein. That's the one. Mick, my um, man, Mick Gordon. Yeah, yeah. Like, uh, So he did the music for those two, so he does the music for this too. So like, it's a rock and soundtrack. It's on Game Pass. It's a long, it's a meaty, it's a 20-hour uh, single-player shooter game. It's, to me, that shoot that screams something I'll be interested in at least trying and playing. I haven't played it yet because I think it just came out, but like I am yeah. very interested in um, seeing this. Um, the IGN review of it on uh, Metacritic says Atomic Hearts is a deeply ambitious, highly imaginative, and consistently impressive Adam Punk inspired attempt at picking up where the likes of Bioshock left off, something it's done with a lot of success. It certainly makes missteps, chiefly with an irritating leading man and a self indulgent habit of using the same tired tropes it uses, it, it tries to make fun of. But this stern, superpowered, and stringently solo shooter has worked its way under my skin despite these flaws. Atomic Hearts didn't always blow me away, but it definitely has the ticker to punch well above its weight. And IGN gave it an 80. Um, so I think that's a pretty... They liked that kind of thing, but I think that's a pretty yeah. good description of what the game is itself. 
Sure. No, I I, I think that sounds about right. Yeah. I, I mean, like the, to me, it seems like, um, I haven't played it, but just based on what I've, I've seen from it, it seems very Wolfenstein two, uh, new Colossus. Yep. 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 Minus the exceptional writing. <laughs> um, which, I mean, that's a high bar, right? I mean, Wolfenstein, I think those both of those Wolfenstein games are written just you, flawlessly. Do but. you remember when you played the Wolfenstein remake for the first time? I don't know if you knew about any of the game before you started playing it, but I played that first mission. I'm like, this is going to, why did I fucking buy this game? But then you get to that point when you have that time skip and you like all of a sudden are in the future. And I was like, what the fuck game am I playing? And it like just turns on you in like the best way possible. My brother for Christmas, uh, New Colossus had just came out. He got me um, both of them for Christmas. Just like play these. All right, whatever. I'm in college. Sure, I'll play whatever games I can get my hands on. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. For and game same pass. thing, right? I'm just like, yeah, all right. This is Call of Duty. Sure, uh, fine. And then it gets in, it's like gets. I mean, gets fucking dark. Like yeah. right at the end of that first level. Yeah. And then yeah, it's like wait, we lost. And like oh, this is cool. Yeah. Giant robot dogs and everything. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I also saw like the way this game treats women apparently is really not good, um, which I mean, is always a turn off for me. Um, I also, I didn't, what's that? Oh, I was gonna say you have a main character who swears every third word and you expect them to, to treat women well. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure he probably is not a great contributor yeah, here to yeah, that. Yeah. Um, but I also I wasn't necessarily super familiar with the controversy surrounding this game. Um, so apparently developer Mundfish um, is a Russian based game studio. And it uh, a- after receiving some questions about like how they feel about Russia in its current uh, form, which obviously is, you know, occupying Ukraine and, and uh, it has a war going on there. Um, Apparently the studio did not respond particularly well to questions about that sort of stuff. Um, I'm not very plugged into this specific story this specific controversy i know you know a little bit more about it so what's what's going on with all of that i mean it's a russian-based studio that has Mm. a lot of russian-backed investors um and a lot of the times when you have a studio from russia with russian-backed investors there's a lot of questions that come up about like what is the purpose of this game um with the idea that they thought that the studio um was stealing data from from gamers um and that the studio has denied doing such claims um but like there's just controversy with it in terms of this is a russian game studio during russia that's supported by russian people um during this ukraine war so by purchasing this game or playing this game you're supporting russia is really what the context about around this game uh is um and i think it's just very it's one of those very complicated things when talking about any games really about the the people who make them and um, the the fact that I'm sure Russian money is involved with this. Does that mean that this Russian studio is directly saying like, hey, Ukraine sucks. We're going to fight against Ukraine. I don't know if that's the case or not. And the studio has has kind of come out and said that we are, you know, like trying to make this game. This game has come out before like the Russian war and stuff like that. Um, but it's one of those things that does it was create. Announced. Sorry. Yeah, it was announced in 2018. Yeah. Okay. 
Um, so, I mean, this game has been made for a while, but it's to the point where a lot of the collaborators involved with this, including um, we talked about the music in it. Um, the actual uh, composer, Mick Gordon, actually has come out and said um, the following statement. It's lengthy, but I think it's worth reading this tweet. So he tweeted this out on, when did he tweet this out? On February 14th. Oh, what a day. What a love, loving day to tweet this out. Um, he said, on February 24th, 2022, I, like the rest of the world, was horrified as Putin's armies escalated the war in Ukraine with brutal and unjustifiable invasion, causing immense suffering for the Ukraine people. The tragedy of this conflict cannot be overstated with countless innocent lives already lost in the country deeply impacted by violence and instability. This invasion was not a decision of the Russian people, but rather an authoritarian regime that disregards human rights and dignity. The world must continue to demand an end to this aggression and stand in solidarity with the Ukrainian people. Two years earlier, in April of 2020, Mudfish Studios approached me to contribute to the musical ver vision of Atomic Heart. The game's unique aesthetic, combined with my musical love for Soviet-era synthesizers, provided an exciting, creative opportunity. I was thrilled to be involved, and I'm grateful that the team saw fit to bring me on board. Working with Munfish is an absolute delight as they prioritize imagination and artistic freedom, which is evident in the game's stunning art direction and detailed world building. I'm eager to see and hear my musical contributions come to life in the final game when Atomic Heart releases later this month. I am proud to donate my fee from the game to the Australian Red Cross's Ukrainian Crisis Appeal in support of the people of Ukraine who are heroically defending their country against aggression. I believe it is important to support pro-peace organizations, stand up for what is right, and to help those in need, especially during times of crisis. This donation is a way for me to provide practical support to those whose lives have been impacted by the war. The Red Cross has been a vital resource for those affected by the conflict, providing aid, medical care, and psychosocial support. By supporting the Red Cross, I am confident that my donation will positively impact those in need, and I am honored to use my work as a means to help those affected by the conflict. I think that's a great statement. I think that's a great thing that he did. Um, mm -hmm. The fact that his fee, I'm sure that is not a, a small fee that he did that. But again, with all these conflicts and stuff, I think it's important to remember that the Russian people, um, in many of the cases, if you read anything about this Ukraine war, the, the people are not necessarily in support of this war as a whole. Um, the government is kind of really the one that is pushing this agenda. And the Russian people are at this like weird spot because you speak up against the Russian government, you get shut down, you get arrested, you get worse, tortured. Um, and for the fact that this this Russian company came out with this game, I think it's one of those things that just because they're Russian doesn't mean they're necessarily supporting the government, but it's hard to separate the Russian government from a Russian studio because in some way, by supporting this game, you're going to be supporting Russia. Um, I, I, th I think that's a really, really important thing because I think it also like you turn that finger back on us, right? Like the U.S., what are we up to internationally? Yep. Nothing good. Yeah, like I, I think that people get very. I, I don't think it's wrong to raise an eyebrow at something like this, and then to do your research, right? As we're talking about right now. Um, but I similarly think, like, well, we're fucking the United States of America. Like, <laughs> we have some some terrible stuff going on 
worldwide constantly. You know what I mean? So like is buying American made things. Is that, is that wrong? No. Like just because people are from a place doesn't mean that they are necessarily in alignment. And as you said about Russia and the way it treats people who speak out against it, like I think that's important context as well, but. And I mean um, like really like boycotting, like <laughs> can you imagine what would happen if we decide to boycott every Chinese made product? Right. Exactly. Like, the Chinese people are not necessarily aligned with Chinese government right. interests. Like it's just not how it works. Um, in the same way that we are not all in line with American interests and like as a country and, and whatever else. But um, so there you go. It's on my cart. I uh, I might check this out. We will see what makes it very easy to check out. Is that it's on Game Pass? Yeah, as my um Game Pass subscription once again re-upped without me having played a game in the past three months on Game Pass. I think <laughs> I think this might be <laughs> something I have to play. You downloaded Hi-Fi Rush. You're I almost did. there. I did. I downloaded it, but did I play it? Mm, I have not finished it yet. I want to go back to it still. Um, the second heart game here, <laughs> and final game in the Metacritic Roundup, is Wild Hearts. Uh, this is a game that is on the PS5, Xbox Series X, and PC. On the Xbox Series X, it has a 76. On PC, it has a 78. And on PlayStation 5, it has a 79. Justin, I have played, I don't know, 10 hours of Wild Hearts so far. Ooh. Um, you were able to actually get it for, uh, you're able to get a 10-hour trial of the first area if you are, a, if you have EA Play, which I have because of Game Pass Ultimate. Oh, um, you get it with Game Pass Ultimate? Yeah. So oh, if you've got cool. Game Pass Ultimate, you can play a 10-hour a trial of the first area, um, which I think is a pretty uh, it's a pretty solid chunk, in my opinion. Uh, and then I, I bought it because I'm writing about it for work. Um, but this is a Monster Hunter. This is an EA version of Monster Hunter um, that I can solidly say is pretty good. All right. For before you talk about the game, have you yes. ever played Monster Hunter before? I've touched it. I don't know which one. I always found them to be a little too complicated, a little too obtuse. But that <laughs> okay. might have been. I mean, I, I feel like I've said before, like it always felt like doing taxes a little bit. Um, but that might be old Peter. That might not be Peter who is who loves it, a deep game with complicated systems. You know what I mean? Okay, so you're th like to respond to that. You're thinking of Monster Hunter, like the original ones. You aren't talking about Monster Hunter World or Monster Hunter Rise because those have since become much more simplistic might be the wrong word much more accessible accessible um for what the original ones were because i think i first played monster hunter 3 um on my wii u what's what let me uh, wii u monster i think hunter. i played one that was yeah. on the switch it was i think the 2014 one yeah so rise I, world I, I first played monster hunter 3 ultimate on the wii u and boy okay. i thought this game was just gonna be a dark souls clone no man that game was the most obtuse things ever it was very complicated yeah um, and i wasn't a fan but then i played uh rise and rise was much more accessible much more fun and i think rise fits a lot more with what this game is based on what i've seen with the coverage of it so far with even that being said wild hearts is a much more mainlined accessible game 
You think that, or is that a question? Because I don't know. I don't really have much to compare to. I think based based on what I've seen for the coverage, it's a much more uh, uh, mainstream, accessible game. Uh, I'm liking it a lot. I'm actually liking it a fair fair amount. It is, um, I mean, it's just one of those, right? Like, you research a monster, you get told, hey, go kill this monster, and you go out and kill it and and in spectacular fashion. Um, And you use, you know, the items that are, are dropped from them to make new wep- uh, weapons and armor and all that sort of stuff. Um, the difference though here is that you have this ability to craft these things called Karakuri, uh, Karakuri, which are like these small wooden items, like, like boxes or springs or things like that, that you can use to like, uh, do a plunging, like a jumping plunging attack. You climb up them very quickly and you can do like a plunging attack onto them or use a spring to jump out of the way of, of an incoming attack. Or if you build um, enough Karakuri together, uh, you can make these like um, additional, like I'm trying to think of how to say this, like you can transform your Karakuri based on what you built so that you, if you put like, six boxes next to each other, it transforms into a big sturdy wall. Or if you put like three springs on top of each other, it transforms into a giant single use hammer that just swings down on the enemy or whatever. Is it similar to Minecraft with the building stuff? To be honest, and I know this is going to turn people off, but hold on. It's, I would compare it to Fortnite. Okay. Okay. Where it's just like, boop, boop, boop. Like like you hit the button and just builds it instantly. It, It is like pretty, pretty fast in that regard. Um, that said, it is less complicated than Fortnite. Um, it is, it is pretty simple. I mean, so far I've, I've got four different, um, basic Karakuri that I can make. Um, it's, it's kind of cool though. It's kind of neat though. Uh, I am enjoying my time with it so far. I haven't done much of the online play. It seems that that's going to be what I'm going to need to do in order to take down some of the bigger monsters, um, as the game goes on. But uh, I am, I am enjoying it. There's not much of a story there. I mean, there is a story, but like, the story is go kill some monsters. Like, <laughs> you know what I, I mean? mean? Yeah, that's like monster hunters, uh, <laughs> like story mo- for the most part. Like, hey, there's a monster. You got to kill it and eventually you'll kill a big monster. Yeah. Um, it's how, cool. is, how does the combat feel? How How is it like uh, other than like setting up these curry Karakuri, Kara Curry, Justin, Sorry. please. <laughs> can you, Justin, close. can you fucking nail it down for a you second? Know what? Say it one more time. Can you can you can you say it phonetically so I can write it down? I have a note Kara, card here. That, Kara. That's K-A-R-A. Okay. Curry. K-U-R-I. Kara Curry. Got it. Kara Curry. Yes. I will Thank not mess you. that up ever again. I have a note Thank card you. to prove it. Thank you so much. Um, yeah, so so like you there are a handful of different play styles. There's like six or seven different weapons. I've got like four of them unlocked or so. Uh I am maining a giant fucking sword. Um <laughs> it's it's like I I in a game like this seem to value like this is kind of how I played like Elden Ring too. Um have a big sword that can hit for a lot of damage. You know what I mean? Um even though it might be a little bit slower. Uh so I, I use that as opposed to there's like a you know, traditional like samurai sword, like katana, um, or there is like a an umbrella that's like serrated on the edges. There's a bow and arrow <laughs> which I haven't touched, um, and there's something else. The umbrella <laughs> thing, like I've seen before, I don't know what that is. You go is. from a sword, you know, you got a sword, you got an umbrella. <laughs> yeah, you could be you could be fucking Jin Sakai, or you can be Mary Poppins. Uh, <laughs> yeah, one of the two. They're very similar. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
<laughs> but yeah, so so I've messed around with just a handful of the the weapons. I've not I've not unlocked them all yet. Um, but it's it's like I said, it's a lot of like you sit down and you go, okay, where are the um, where are the monsters? <laughs> and then you find the monsters and you go kill them. And then in addition to like the basic Karakuri. There are things called dragon karakuri, which are more permanent structures. So, for example, um, you like if you're building, you, you like build a camp, and you want to build a forge, you got to use that using dragon resources, um, which are just like a different type of resource. Um, or like if you're trying to like make uh, uh, ways to travel quickly around the map, you can use the you can build these like zip lines, and that's going to cost a little bit. Um, it, it's cool though. It is. It's like. It's all about building structures that work best for you in your hunt. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I am I am enjoying it uh, pretty thoroughly um, so far. But uh, like I said, eight, ten hours so far. And ultimately, if you weren't doing this for work, would it have grabbed you to keep playing it? Yeah, enough. You know, put a podcast in. Uh, it's it's not like a particular. It's not a game that I have to like think really hard to do. It's more about the skill of dodging out of the way of incoming attacks and and whatever else. Uh, I will say I've heard it's not a very good looking game, but that doesn't necessarily matter to me. But I've heard that it runs abysmally on PC, um, like like to the point where like it's struggling to get like thirty FPS on on really high end uh, GPUs and and stuff like CPUs and whatever. Um, which I, I know it would be a major turnoff for me personally, but, um, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm interested in this. Like this, this is not on game pass, correct? It's not on game pass, but with EA play, you can play it for 10 hours in the first area, which right, consists might, of the first three hunts. All right. I might, I might, I might try this because again, I really, um, was turned off by monster hunter three then I played a little bit of Monster Hunter World, and it was much easier. Then I played Monster Hunter Rise, and I was like, ooh, I actually like this a lot. And then I started playing Monster Hunter 4 Ultimate, which is more of the kind of like old school version of Monster Hunter. And I really mm-hmm. like that, too, now that I kind of like got the the taste of it. So I, I, I think this is a game that kind of at first I was like, eh, but now I'm like, eh. I am enjoying it. Yeah. I... The, that for that 10 hour preview, uh, it won't take you 10 hours to get to the point where like the game cuts you off. It basically says like you can buy the f- full game to progress or you can just like, you know, fuck around here. Um, like they won't take you 10 hours to get there. But like within that slice, I don't know, four hours maybe. And it's it's a pretty solid uh, chunk of the game there. I mean, like not a solid chunk of the game. It's like a solid look at what, you, what you're doing and, and all that sort of stuff. Um, cool. I would recommend it if you are looking for something of that flavor. And also, that's got me thinking, like, maybe I should try a Monster Hunter. I won't. You should. Got the you time. should. I, I would highly recommend you try out Monster Hunter World. It's on Game Pass, I believe. Is that the one that's also on the PS Plus collection? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Um, it's like, it's more, it, I, try that out. And then if you like that, then go into Rise. Um, yeah, okay. Because I'm pretty sure you have that for free now um, yep. in one of your things. So try that and then, and then go to Rise. Rise is really fun. I liked it a lot. Good game. Okay. Okay. Minus the, they had tower defense mo- moments in it that I really fucking hated. Um, That's weird. Other than that, really good game. <laughs> well, there you go. There you go. Metacritic Roundup. That's uh, all we got. I'm o- only four games today. Yeah, only 50 uh-huh. minutes. <laughs> only 50 minutes of our of our hour and a half-ish long show. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Metacritic, for always being there for us. You play anything else? 
Yes, I, for the first time in I think almost two months, <laughs> I can sit here and tell you I've played a video game. So and not just any you. video game. A video game like a new video game that came out in the year 2023. And that game, with no controversy around it at all, Hogwarts Legacy. It's interesting because you say that and I've not heard anything about it. <laughs> I've not heard any any thoughts or opinions on it. Um, and as we've said in, in previous episodes, like if you listen to our show, you know, like it's a complicated thing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, again, uh, one, one of the things I think is complicated with Hogwarts Legacy, before I even start talking about it, I think yeah. you need, to, like people need to, to, to talk and understand about J.K. Rowling just not being a great human being. Um, and that I think a lot of what she has said in the past has hurt a lot of people. Um, I, I think it's important to know that um, those things have happened, specifically about um, uh, talking about uh, transgendered uh, people and talking about um, like her opinions and, and the fact that she is the person who is actively like saying negative things about the community. And I, I think those things are important to know. Yeah. And I think you have to know about those things when talking about Harry Potter today. Agreed. And I think that um, knowing about this and talking about this and having these conversations is only going to help. And that no matter what, Harry Potter is always going to be connected and connected to those things. That's mm -hmm. kind of the world we live in. I also yeah. live in a world where Harry Potter was something growing up was extremely formative and special to me. Mm -hmm. um, knowing that um, I, I distinctly remember every book release. Um, I started reading Harry Potter from Harry Potter three on. I, yeah. would, I would watch like not only like read them, but I'd watch all the movies. I'd read them when they came out. <laughs> I literally yeah. um found an illegal version of the last Harry Potter book. <laughs> it was some guy holding it and taking pictures of the first 400 pages that I read two days That's before awesome. the book came out That's so I hysterical. could finish it in time. And like Harry Potter was a very special part of my childhood. Mm -hmm. And it hurts me so much that J.K. Rowling has done stuff to hurt people in a fact that people can't just enjoy Harry Potter anymore because of that. Yeah. With all that being said, this game is still one of the best-selling games of the year mm -hmm. i'm gonna be shocked if this game is not the best-selling game of the year minus call of duty once the 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 dust clears yeah um and it i think it shows you not so much about the support of jk rowling but the support of the world that she created and the the people who really connect with games and stuff like this are people who are who have the magic of harry potter like ingrained in them mm -hmm. and it hurts me so much that this is something that I just can't just sit here and enjoy as a fan. Yeah. And if you, like, I'm the kind of person, like you asked me about getting a tattoo. I would never get a tattoo about anything. The only thing mm -hmm. I might consider getting a tattoo of, or would have considered getting a tattoo of would be Harry Potter. Yeah. And I don't think I can do that anymore. That's not something I will do just because of all this, you know, all the controversy surrounding this. Yeah. Um, but Hogwarts legacy, a game yeah, what do you think? I played a game by Avalanche Studios, a yep. game that has never made a AAA open world game before. A game that is pretty good. <laughs> is it good? You like it? I think I think it's pretty good. Um, not great, pretty good. Um, so uh, I first 
started off when you when you plug in the game um you have a chance to connect your pottermore account do you have a pottermore account i mean we were all in the trenches when harry potter was ruling the world right yeah. i mean i'm sure yeah i, I can't um, can't say i've logged in so uh, recently. yeah i i i to be honest when when i played the game i went to my pottermore account and it was like you haven't logged in forever you have to actually have a secure password now so before i could even do that you can like I had to change my password, but I had taken the quiz, taken the test. So you can literally connect your Pottermore account to um, Hogwarts Legacy to get your wand that you had based on a questionnaire oh, and your house cool. based on the questionnaire that you could get those defaulted to you, which I think is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um However, I decided to throw that away and decided to be a Hufflepuff because I've decided that with me playing this game, I'm going to prove to everyone that Hufflepuff is the house that should not be denied. That Hufflepuff is the house that is actually pretty cool. So I'm a Hufflepuff in this game. I'm happy for you. I I mean, it's weird to say like it's weird to talk uh, for all of the reasons stated above. It's fucking weird to talk about Harry Potter now. Like like it is so weird. Like. Um, but I was, I was a proud Hufflepuff back in the day. It and was me. I, I thought I was always like, if you asked me what my house was, I would be a, a, a slither, a, a, a slither claw, like a Slytherin kind raven claw. Sure. But you can't do hybrids. And I'm not a Slytherin because like whenever you take the Pottermore test, it's like, do you like death? Do you like killing people? <laughs> like, well, are, then you a, are you a giant no. racist? Uh, yeah, no. Then no. <laughs> um, and then for like uh, like Ravenclaw, it's like, do you like to read over anything else? I'm like, no. No. <laughs> so I'd always end up with like Gryffindor, and I was like, I'm not a Gryffindor. Like, no, no, no. But I, I decided to be a Hufflepuff for this game. But the game itself, it's very... I don't even know the best way to describe it. I heard someone describe it. It's very much like an, like The Witcher. I think that's one of the best games to kind of connect it to. It's like The Witcher with straight up magic. Yeah. Um, and the reason being is if you played The Witcher, you know how it is based on those weird uh, signals or those different like uh, magic styles that you can get to play. And the combat is pretty similar to that with the exception you don't have a sword. You just have your magic the whole time. Yeah. But like you walk around this world and wherever you walk, there is a quest and there, some of the quests are as simple as like, oh, collect my my flying book pages from the library, or it's like, hey, we gotta go to to um, Azkaban because there's someone oh in gosh. Azkaban um, who it shouldn't be there, but we're there by accident, and we have to find information about this person in order to help move the quest along. Like it is, yeah. Question: Are are you twelve in the game? <laughs> so, or eleven? <laughs> So before, like, they do this weird thing when you start off as a fifth year. And basically, oh, for like, okay. they start off with a bunch of this mystery in the story. You are, a, you are, I guess, 15. If you're a fifth year, you're a 15-year-old or 16. How old are you? 15? 15, 16? Uh, uh, you're a fifth year. Right? And you get transferred into Hogwarts after oh, having never gotcha. been to a, wiz- a wizarding school. And, like, one of the professors have been kind of, like, teaching you off to the side. But basically, you're, you're a fifth year going in. So you're, like, 15, 16. And you are going to Hogwarts, and all of a sudden your um, your transport there gets attacked by a dragon, and it, it kills someone in, like someone from the ministry in front of you, and all of a sudden you're like put into this drama in which there's this like mystery that somehow your person is in the middle of it, and not quite spoilery, but the fact that you're a fifth year going into Hogwarts is part of the reason why, and okay. uh, you're basically the chosen one. 
so to speak. And there's like something special about your character. And as the story goes on, you discover more and more about like what makes you special. The story itself is your fifth year starting Hogwarts for the first time. So you meet all your teachers, all your professors, all the classes. The cool thing about it is that you're, you, they're not the professors from the Harry Potter we know because it's set right. like the 1800s. So it's all new professors, all new people. And they keep doing things like the assistant uh, headmaster is a Weasley. And it's like, oh, I know the Weasleys. And sure, like sure. it's they keep like playing on these names a lot of the times that that kind of make it interesting for people who know the series. But the overarching plot is basically you being this fifth year with special powers who is put into the middle of this goblin rebellion. And the goblins are basically uh, trying to um, stand up for once to the humans because humans have oppressed goblins and the goblins are trying to fight back and trying to take over. But they do it in like bad ways by killing people. If you're a goblin and you don't want to go with me, I'm going to kill you rather than Mm -hmm. anything else. Does that um, feel weird? I mean, cause it, it's one of those things where, like, as a kid, I never thought about. But, like, now as an adult, the idea that, like, the humans were like, well, you're worse than us because you're not people. Do you know what I mean? And, like, that they were, like, oppressed them. Does that feel um, weird in this? I, I really like, address that. I really haven't gotten to that part in the story yet. Mm-hmm. What it is very clear is that there are goblins, like, the, 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 the way they present it is that, like, the, the good goblins think that there's a diplomatic way to do things where mm. the bad goblin thinks that the only way to do it is by aggression, fear, and death. And okay. like, it, I, I like, I understand a lot of the anti-Semitic uh, connections that people make with the goblins and yeah. Harry Potter in general. And I think a lot of those things, I, I think obviously uh, going back to the negatives of Harry Potter, very stereotypical with a lot of characters and archetypes and stuff like that Yeah. Um, with it. But I don't think this game is necessarily playing on those stereotypes very well. And in fact, this game does a very good job of um, making uh, gender neutral pronouns kind of consistently throughout characters. Oh, that's um, kind of cool. Like, yeah, I think, I think they do a lot of things when they're trying to, uh, uh, to counter all the negative things that uh, J.K. Rowling has said and done um, by using, again, gender-neutral pronouns for most characters. Mm. Um, in fact, there's even one of the the characters of the Three and Broomsticks is, I think, a transgender character that they have. Mm-hmm. Um, so they they even, like, in your character creator, they try to make it so you if you want to be a transgender character, you can do that kind of stuff. So they are trying to be inclusive with all that stuff. Sure. Again, Avalanche is not J.K. Rowling, though Avalanche is doing a Harry Potter property. It's, well, it's, it's one of it's those messy, right? It's complicated. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I think the story is interesting. Um, and the the main the main story of the game is basically that conflict of you being special versus the goblins, and then you're also having to be a fifth year who just gets thrown into the middle of Hogwarts, and you have to mm-hmm. learn things and catch up with people. And you go to your different classes, all the different professors are different, and there's a bunch of great side quests that you get to go on. Um, I probably played the game about eight hours now. And to be honest, now after eight hours is when the game has finally started to open up. The first eight hours, it was pretty much go here, follow this checkpoint, do this Mm -hmm. thing. Now it's like, I got a broom. I can fly anywhere I want. I can do anything I want. I can start to do these like... um, uh, quests that are like in various parts of the map and uh i think it's 
I am enjoying the story. Yeah. I'm enjoying being in Hogwarts. I think the castle is literally something that is you can explore. They have a fully 3D realized Hogwarts that you can just that, walk around from tower cool. to tower. And it's actually pretty cool with how well realized it is. And then in addition to that, they have a whole open world 10 times bigger than Hogwarts that you can go around with different, um, I think they call them uh, like like uh, cities or boroughs or things like that, whether it's a small fishing village or Hogsmeade or all this stuff. So There's a pretty big open world that you, once you get your broom, can easily fly between. Um, you have your forbidden forest that you can go through, and they have dungeons through all this kind of stuff. So there's a lot of cool stuff to explore, a lot of loot, a lot of... Um, uh, good uh, story stuff, a lot of world building that really like kind of expands the world of Harry Potter in a way that I wasn't thinking of um, about like different types of magic. There's this this girl who is a transfer to, to Hogwarts from a different school that they don't use wands at that school. They just use magic from their own, like, their bodies. And even, like, hearing about how magic isn't the same in every place, I think it's just a really interesting world-building stuff that I think that Avalanche has done a really good job of, like, creating this bigger Harry Potter world than what we're used to. So I think, again, Harry Potter fans, there is a million things that are awesome about this game. Yeah. In terms of not Harry Potter fans... I think it's a little so far linear with what with what I was expecting the game to be. I thought it'd be more open world from the beginning, but it's very much like it's slowly gated. And again, eight hours in, now I'm feeling it's more open world. But the combat is kind of cool as well, um, but frustrating. So the combat is based off of different spells, and you have different types of spells from your traditional like colored-based spells. You have your yellow spells, you have your red yeah. spells, you have your blue spells. And then when you're fighting enemies, enemies sometimes have shields around them that are either red shields, blue shields, sure. yellow shields. And you have to use that magic on them to break the shields, and then you attack them. Um, the combat's fun, it's different, but like it's also kind of cumbersome at points um you only have space to use four spells at a time and then you have to use basically like alternate menus for your spells that you can Mm -hmm. have to like select in the middle of combat that makes it kind of difficult sometimes to get the spell you want and also when you're in a really like difficult combat scenarios you're fighting like four to five people at a time all with different colored shields And you having to try to select the right person to attack and, like, try to dodge other people can be really difficult. Sure. So I think, like, there is some deep combat there, but I think overall it's a little hard and cumbersome at times to deal with. It's fine. It's good. It's not the best part of the game. The best part of the game is just the world building of being at Hogwarts, the story finding out about like being able to go to potions class, which I know sounds lame going to herbology class. Again, I know that sounds lame, but like really like being able to go through the school and see all the different towers and explore and do every little thing. It is really uh, something that I think Harry Potter fans will love. And all that being said, I think the game itself is a competent, good open world game. I heard that, um, pretty much what you are saying is like in terms of being an open world game, it's not anything new. Like it's, it's competently made. It's fine, but it's not like going to blow your mind. Um, but like the real selling point is pretty, it's Hogwarts, like the castle. And then also like everything that comes associated with that really like the IP of Harry Potter is if you are a Harry Potter fan, 
you will find new stuff to like about it. But if not, like this isn't necessarily going to be the thing that like makes you one. It it is really just I, I want to like state how impressive it is the, the yeah. world that they made like really the castle itself is so cool and like every little moment of it every little beat of it is done in a way that makes you feel like you're in this castle it's massive it's big I just got my broomstick and I'm flying around this castle mm-hmm. and you see all the set the set pieces from the movies. Um, and you feel like you're in the movie. You feel like this is a real living, breathing castle. Peeves will randomly like pop around and like do annoying stuff to other characters. Yeah. Um, like suits of armor will randomly start fighting each other for no reason as you pass them. And there's all these like little things that just make it like very, like a very dense living world in a cool way. But then you get outside of the castle and it's just a bunch of green. That you go I, to your I've next heard that, that that yeah. as soon as you leave, it's <laughs> yeah, it's like yeah, yeah. oh no, <laughs> that yeah. be just like boring, just like uninteresting. Um, well, that's it. I I'm gonna be interested to hear more about this. Um, I think something else about the, the just the general conversation surrounding Hogwarts Legacy that I think is worth pointing out is um, I I completely understand why people are avoiding this game altogether, but I do think that it is just it's your and I's job to talk about these things, right. And be able to talk about like, Hey, why do, does this make us uncomfortable? And then what is actually in the game that would go either way for, for that sort of stuff? You know what I mean? Talking about the stuff with the the goblins and whatever, um, and talking about JK Rowling in general, I think is important. So I am interested to hear more about this as you get deeper into it. Um, can I tell you about spider heck? Yes. Okay. Um, Spider Heck is a game that is on Game Pass, and um, it's incredible. Uh, me and my roommate Josh have been playing this. It is a like 2D platformer where you play as a cartoon spider, and you pick up lightsabers and other weapons and fight each other. And it's awesome, Justin. It is incredible. Basically, it's just like it is. A, it's a fun little like. Um, uh, arena game like combat game like basically like there's a few game modes one of them is you are fighting each other so like you are picking up lightsabers and guns and whatever and like trying to fight each other first to 10 wins um and then there are like wave modes where you're spiders fighting um bees using the same weapons like you pick those up and do whatever um but it's kind of like one of those games where like momentum is weird or like movement is kind of odd because you use your spider webs to like swing on things and um to like zip yourself to different platforms and stuff like that. Um, it's very neon. It's very fun. Um, like there's not a whole lot to say about it. It's on game pass. Give it a shot. I think it's, it's a really good time. So Um, this reminds me a lot of Nidhogg meets, um, what's, what, what's that game? Um, uh, when you're, I can't think of the game off the top of my head right now, but kind of like Nidhogg with it's like combat in a way. It, it, Josh and I have really enjoyed Nidhogg in the past. This absolutely feels like the type of game where if you liked Nidhogg in that, like if you like Nidhogg, this is similar, uh, not the same, but similar enough. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to think of what this other game Towerfall. It's like Towerfall meets Nidhogg. Yeah. Okay. Have you played um, Towerfall before? Maybe at a friend's never, I've never like put a lot of time into it. Um, but I, I'm familiar enough with it. Um, yeah, like it's a sort of thing where like, as you play more of it, you do get better. But like at the end of the day, like 
the odds of you winning or losing are pretty much even. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. like it, there is enough stupidity and like wacky stuff in there that like it, it is not something that like when I lose, I feel bad about. You know what I mean? Um, and also just like the imagery of spiders with lightsabers is very fun. But I'd recommend this uh, again. There's like not a whole lot to it um, other than just being sort of a fun uh, um, physics game fun platformer thing but um i'd give it a shot it's on game pass after all awesome awesome i give it a shot especially if you have someone to play it with if that makes sense you want to talk about some news let's do it strap in it's gonna be a long one <laughs> because we're gonna talk about the new i mean there's not like a lot of news <laughs> but then we're gonna talk about the last of us and we just talked about video games for like an hour um i'm just saying Game Pass hurts game sales, according to Microsoft. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, uh, I don't know. Xbox once, oh yeah, in 2018, Phil Spencer um, said that Game Pass boosts game sales rather than um, uh, hurts them for the games that go on Game Pass. And um, <laughs> that is not the truth. <laughs> um, according to um, the UK Competition and Markets Authority. These are the folks we talked about last week talking um, who who raised some concerns regarding the Activision Microsoft deal uh, and said, maybe just don't buy the Call of Duty par- portion of that whole thing. Uh, if you remember, they said this in a report. Microsoft also submitted that its internal analysis shows that a redacted percent de- shows a redacted percent decline in base game sales 12 months following their addition on Game Pass. Basically just saying when a game gets put on Game Pass, there is some undisclosed number uh, percentage mm. decline in that game sales. Mm. Um, I don't know if that's across the board or if that's simply on Xbox platforms. Um, to me, I am not surprised by this. Yeah, go- what? What are you I talking about? Like, games I didn't don't buy sell Hi-Fi as well. Rush. I didn't buy Hi-Fi Rush. I got it on Game Pass. You know what I mean? I didn't buy whatever game. I got it on Game Pass. You know, like, I I guess I'm just, like, confused a little bit by that being, like, some sort of big reveal. I guess it's, I guess it's, the the real news is that it's in direct opposition of what Phil Spencer said in 2018, right? Um, About the fact that, oh, no, people love buying games even when they're on Game Pass. Um, But to me, it always just seemed like that was the point, that, like, you don't have to sell as many copies because, like, we'll just pay for your game to be on Game Pass. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I think it makes sense. Like, I'm going to go back to this is a PlayStation uh, comparison. But when Rocket League came out, I honestly don't think Rocket League would have become Rocket League if it wasn't mm-hmm. for the fact that they released it on PS Plus for that first month. Oh, similar with like uh, Fall Guys or, or right, right, lots something, of yeah. something that has that initial boost of being free, get a get a player base to it, and mm-hmm. then once it becomes something they have to pay for. At a certain point, people are already like, well, this game's awesome. People talk about it. It becomes popular. I think those are things that when you get that free game to start, it really helps. But right. I think like a majority of these single-player games, we were just talking about – wait, I don't want to mess it up. We were talking about Atomic Heart. I almost said Wild Hearts. We are talking about Atomic Heart being on Game Pass. That is a single-player shooter. I don't think ten like a year from now, people are going to suddenly start buying this game in bulk because – well, it's off Game Pass now. I need to buy this game. It was a good game. I don't think that's going to help Atomic Heart at yeah. all. It's just, it's such an, uh, go on. 
Oh, I, I would say, if anything, I think that hurts it because people just like try it and they don't have to finish it because they don't have any kind of like investment in it. They just bought it on Game Pass and they're, or that bought it, played it on Game Pass and they don't finish it. I mean, I think there's so many games that I have personally started on Game Pass that I didn't finish partially because the mental gymnastics I play with my head about like, well, I didn't buy this game. I don't feel obligated to finish this game because I just right. tried it out in Game Pass. And I don't think that's wrong. Like, I think that what a great thing about Game Pass is that it lets you try things. You know what I mean? Like, like that it is, for me, it is a great service to just try stuff and go, I don't know, what, what's this all about, you know? Um, and, you know, sometimes I, I play the game through to the end, and sometimes I don't, because it's just, well, I tried it, and, you know, maybe it wasn't my thing, or like, oh, I was glad to play this so that I could talk about it and, and whatever, but, like, um, yeah, I don't know. Like, like to me, I guess... I'm just surprised that anyone would be surprised by this because Game Pass inherently is going to cut out a percentage of people, a, a staggering percentage of people, because, I mean, what is the, what do you think the rate of people who own an Xbox right now that also own Game Pass is? It has to be more than 50%, right? Like, that feels... I, I know that they've, they've talked about their numbers before. I don't, I don't know what it is right now. But... um. It, like you're just going to cut that percentage of people out from buying that game. So like, I'm not surprised that no one is going to buy a game if it's all, like already on game pass, obviously something like atomic heart launches on game pass day one also launches on PlayStation five, right? Also launches on PC. I don't know if it's on PC game pass. That's obviously a different conversation. Um, but, but it, it's going to get some sales there. Psychonauts two That was a cross platform release as well. You know, like that's going to get some sales elsewhere, but um, I don't know. I, I guess I'm not surprised by this at all. Um, the, the only percentage base I could find right now, just doing a quick search, um, as in 2020, 70% of owners of Xbox Series X and S have Game Pass. Now, 70 or 70, 70, 70, 70. Okay. Now, granted, in the early days of Xbox Series X and S, that's probably like the hardcore fans of it yep. who most likely would anyway. So I'm sure that number has significantly dropped since then. Um, but like, you were talking earlier about the fact that when you were in college, you got Wolfenstein. You're like, I'm going to play these games. I was looking for anything to play. Yeah. I still think like Game Pass is something that if I had kids, like giving Game Pass to kids, you ain't ever asking me to buy like another game. I'm going to give you Game Pass and that's it. That's the thing. Like, like if that was around when I was in college, I, mean, I think it probably was towards the tail end. Um, but like if I, if that was around when I was in college, like. Yeah, just give me a Game Pass subscription. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't need the games. Like, you, like there's so much on here. And it's constantly being updated. Obviously, it's constantly losing stuff, but like there's constantly new stuff being thrown in there. Um, and and all of those, you know, first party Xbox games now are, are just launching on there. Like it, it, to me, I'm not surprised by this. I'm curious though how this impacts game makers, right? And and their ex expectations for sales and whatever. I know obviously like Xbox pays studios to put their games on game pass right um but i'm curious about like how exactly the lack of sales actually impacts the studios and everything uh and the industry as a whole but i don't know not super i was not blown away uh, by this this information yeah i i think it's one of those things that i watch a lot of shark tank and mm -hmm. i always mm -hmm. like want like when the sharks are like how is this how is this going to scale how are you going to become profitable what's your plan to become profitable and so many of these companies that come on shark tank have these like like exponential growths from year one to two to three to four mm -hmm. but like at a certain point if they don't have a path to profitability 
They keep scaling up. Right. I don't understand how this is going to be good. What Right now, I still think Xbox's goal is to be the the kind of game system that anyone can go to play anything anywhere. Yeah. Easily. Yeah. But I don't think that necessarily translates in these huge AAA games that get released on them that score perfectly. I mean, what are the AAA games that have that have come to Game Pass day one that have been game of the year contenders? Hi-Fi Rush, Halo Infinite, Forza Horizon 5. Uh, I'm going to say Starfield probably will be one of you those. You would hope, you would hope, right? Maybe, maybe Redfall, you know, that's to be seen. So um, even then, Hi-Fi Rush, yeah. is, is that a game that you think was helped by Game Pass? Yes. I agree, right? So I think that was a game that got people to play it and see it because of Game Pass. But even then, I think that's what, four or five games? Pentiment. Uh, like the people who pl- it wasn't like a big like that's not a big yeah yeah heavy but not, hitter but, but not not these mainstream tentpole games that are going to like get these like massive sales to be game of the year that's fair that's very fair so i don't know i think pentiment is like a passion project uh yeah. uh halo infinite i think was a flawed game <laughs> that yes i loved but it was a flawed game um, number two? uh what it was our number two of that year it was. It was because yeah, it was a good game. I was, still, I, mean, like, I was still. Like, I was still shocked it wasn't higher on your list. I was going into that game of the year being like, "This is going to be our game of the year." No, um, no way. But um, I think like part a part of the game pass is maybe once we start getting more consistent starfields out there, these hopefully nine. I drafted it uh, like nine, <laughs> ten out of ten games that come out yeah. that are these big AAA games that will be on Game Pass, that get people to Game Pass, but also people want to buy them. I, well, why would anyone want to buy that, actually? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, like, okay, let me... I'll be honest, though. Like, there are plenty of, like, non-Xbox exclusive games or Xbox Studio games that are on there that I would say are 10 out of 10 things. Like, you've got... Let me just... Game Pass game list. All right. You've got Persona 5 Royal. <laughs> You've got uh, Hi-Fi Rush on here, Monster Hunter Rise. We were talking about that earlier. Um, Darkest Dungeon, that's huge. Uh, Plague Tale Requiem, people love that. The Amnesia Collection, Alien Isolation. Um, a lot of the Assassin's Creed games. I know I wasn't so hot on like Assassin's Creed Odyssey or Origins, but like people love those you've got batman arkham knights you've got a bunch of the battlefield games uh i know titanfall 2 is on here maybe it was um uh citizen sleeper do you know what i mean like like maybe these are not like not all of them are are necessarily triple a by the way the whole crisis series um dead space one two and three uh and ignition death loop Death's Door, like like there's I think a significant Dishonored, Dishonored two, uh, eight Doom twenty sixteen, uh, <laughs> there's a significant number of Doom Eternal games on here, Dragon Age Origins, Dragon Age two, Dragon Age Inquisition, Dragon Ball Fighter Z, um, there's a significant number of games on here that are those ten out of ten huge releases, Fallout three, Fallout four, Fable, Fable two, Fable three, uh, Fallout New Vegas, Far Jet the Far Shore, um, do you know what I mean? I do, but like. Using Deathloop for an example, 
Yeah. That came out a year after it came out on PlayStation. That I don't was think unfortunate. That, I don't think that helped the sales of Deathloop. Oh, no, 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 no. And in fact, would you have bought Deathloop if it was on Game Pass? Nope. So. You, no, you're totally right. Like, like I, I think it's an easy thing that even with these AAA games are on there, if they're on there and they're on there forever and I have Game Pass, how does that help the sale of the game when you can just play it on Game Pass? Like, I, I think the strategy itself is not a strategy that is going to cater to these, like, big AAA games to make them the best-selling games of the year. If anything, it's cool that you have Game Pass and all of a sudden you have these, like, if you have a AAA game on it, which, what, how, how, we, five? <laughs> Five like, what, uh, what, what, Xbox what, Studio ones? Yeah, like of yeah. the main ones that came out day one that are AAA games that are on Game Pass. Yeah. Um, I mean, uh, like, I'll say this, though. Like, I, I, it's my understanding that, like, games after a year don't sell. Like, yeah. not significantly, which is why, like, games go for five bucks after a year, right? Like, Ubisoft games like this. Like, I'm looking at this page. It You've got Guardians of the Galaxy on here and Mass Effect Legendary Edition. Those games are old enough to the point where I imagine that they're not selling. So just, like that they will take that loss of actual game sales and just say, you know what? Fine. We will accept the money from Microsoft to throw this on, on game pass. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. No flight simulator, by the way, that was a first, uh, first party one. Um, I just want to know, and I've always wanted to know what the end game is with, with Microsoft games, because it's a very different business model than what Sony's doing with their AAA and their uh, first party studios than what Xbox is doing. I, I think Xbox is about player numbers. Sony is about sales numbers. I don't and know I think which it's one's about, better. I don't know which one's the more profitable thing, but. I think uh, Xbox also is just about like, um, is, is being the go-to platform. You know what I mean? Of like, yeah. we want people to, when they think video games, we want them to think Xbox. Whereas I think with PlayStation stuff, when they say like, we want people to think, when, when people think video games, we want them to think The Last of Us. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, which, I mean, I could be wrong about that. I think that's potentially a semantic debate, but um, I'm just, by the way, just scrolling through Game Pass and motherfucker, there are so many games on here that are like, just all the Wolfenstein games, all the Yakuza games, um, Trek to Yomi, Undertale, <laughs> Unpacking, Vampire Survivors. It's all uh, the Outer Worlds, all the Walking Dead games. It's it's incredible. Anyway, all right, moving right along. Uh, speaking of Sony though, and sales, uh, Returnal is out on PC now, and um, on Steam it has achieved uh, less than seven thousand concurrent players. Uh, on its first weekend, um, which is not great. Um, it is apparently the second lowest uh, performing in terms of like Steam numbers um, game that PlayStation Studios has published on PC. Um, it, although it has handily beaten Sackboy A Big Adventure, which had a 610 player peak. Um, <laughs> so, you know, 6,000 6, 6, and some change versus 600. Uh, obviously, that's going to be a better release. But um, people are sleeping on Returnal. Returnal is, I think, one of the best games of this generation. In fact, it might be the best game of the generation so far. Yeah, that's sad. I mean, um, uh, like in June of 2021, Sony claimed the game sold around uh, 560,000 copies on PlayStation 5 in the first two months. Yeah, that's for a game as good as Returnal. Isn't that shocking that in two months it only sold that many? Here's why it is not shocking to me. 
because you have to remember the state of the PlayStation mm. 5 in April 2021. No one had it, first of all. Second of all, people were and still are reluctant to spend $70 on a video game, right? Especially a video game made by a studio that you might not have ever heard of before. Um, especially a genre that is not a mass appeal genre, right? Like a rogue, a very punishing roguelite is not, I think, something that is going to fly off the the shelves, um, especially if it is locked to the PS5. Um, but it's a shame, though, because now that, you know, PlayStations are available, like, play this game. And then now that it's on PC, like, play this game. It's so good. Everyone, it's so good. I promise. I thought I wouldn't like it, and I loved it. Please, as a narrative, it's so strong. Yeah, it's a good game. Um, I, I still think the the struggle of that game, if it wasn't for that moment we played together mm -hmm. um, to get through that third world hump for me, I don't think yeah. I would have ever <laughs> enjoyed the ending in the way I did. Yeah. Um, but it, it doesn't matter. It's, it's a really good game. Solid controls, solid uh, gameplay, great story, unique story. Um, I hard-pressed to find a game. Uniquely told. Yeah, hard hard pressed to find a game quite like that, um, and it's an awesome game. And I still think it was one of those that once I beat it, I kept coming back to it. I played it for an additional like ten hours after I beat it to try to, am I gonna plan on this? And I said no, no too, too much RNG for that. Um, yeah. But I I played. I mean like, I played it through twice. When when that DLC came out, I was like, yeah, let me try, check this out. And I was like, oh, maybe I'll check out the that old single player again. See how that holds up. And like. Yeah, I, I am, would be, I don't know if I could name a game that was better than this on the current generation of consoles. I'm I thinking. could name a few, but I don't want to be that person. No, <laughs> it's please a good do. Game. Like, 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 let me, like, like what? What do you got? I like God of War Ragnarok better. And I know I had some, like, complicated history with that. I think that sure. game is better. Um, I liked this better than that, I'd say. I like Horizon Forbidden West better. All right, than that's that. I mean, you like gonna... that better than this? Yes, yes. Oh that's, my gosh, one hundred percent more of my type of game. Yeah, um, that's fair. That's fair. That. I like Ratchet and Clank better than this. I still think you I like, like it wow. better than this. Wow. Okay. 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 Um, yeah. I mean, I could keep going on and on if you want. You're gonna make me seem like I hate this game, but I don't hate this game. I really no, no, liked I, it. I, to be honest, this is kind of fun. It's for me. Keep going. Uh, I like the medium better than this. Did you really? <laughs> it's enough of this. Enough of this. Fuck with you. Enough of this. Um, <laughs> uh, speaking of God of War, though, um, spoilers for God of War Ragnarok. Uh, uh, I guess just in general about like what did and did not happen in that game. Uh, link to, or I guess the time code for when the spoilers will end is in the description of the episode. Here they come. Five, four, three, two, one. So in God of War Ragnarok, Kratos um, notably does not die, <laughs> which is something that I thought would happen based on uh, the prophecy <laughs> and uh, the themes of the game and whatever. Um, apparently he did, though, in um, the original, uh, it, one of the early drafts of the game. Um, who is this guy? Matt Sofaros. Sofos. He's an actor. Who did he act as? Um, uh, he's also a game designer and directive the and narrative director at Sony Santa Monica. Okay. Um, he spoke with MinMax, which is like a podcast, um, and like network thing, uh, and and basically said that in an early draft of the game, Kratos got killed by Thor, like at the beginning. 
Um, and he basically said this. And so he was going to die, and then it wasn't a permanent death. What was going to happen, and I don't care. We can tell this because it doesn't happen anymore. So this is all fan fiction at this point. Uh, he would get pulled out of hell, essentially, by Atreus. Um, so I'm glad that didn't happen, to be honest with you. Uh, I... I know that he has died and been dragged out of hell or Hades or whatever before. I also think that when something like that happens, there were a lot of comparisons of this game to like the last of us part two, in terms of some of its themes and whatever else and playing as alternate characters and whatever. Um, I think that would have been a, just another rehashed sort of story beat. I know that they would have had their own spin on it and it would have been totally different, but um, you know what I mean? Yeah, I think it would have been interesting, but it would have been, I think, not even with Last of Us, I think with God of War. How many times has he been killed and brought back to life? That's what I'm and, saying. Like, And I think it is just like, it, I think they would have made it a good story. I trust this studio beyond anything to make a good narrative after the last yeah. two games they made. But I think what they did was great. I think what they did was smart. I think what they did was interesting. And I don't think anything like... Yeah, they could have gone a, a million different ways, but I think the way they went was awesome. And yeah. um, I think it would have been cool to have an adult Atreus to a certain point. Um, mm -hmm. But I'm waiting for the sequel for that shit. You know what I mean? <laughs> I want to yeah. see, a, see a buff Atreus. Do you think he's going to be buff? How big do you think he's going to be? Do you think he's going to arm wrestle Kratos? I think he's going to be surprisingly fit, and I think there's going to be a, like a joke about it. Not like not like a joke, but it's gonna be like a reveal. I'm like, whoa, damn, Atreus! I remember when when like the trailers for that for the game started like dropping for Ragnarok. I was like, I do not like this deep voice Atreus. And then now I listen to Atreus in the first game. I'm like, I cannot believe I put up with that squeaky, <laughs> squeaky voice, little asshole. Um, I I also really did like the combat sections with Atreus. I thought it was like a lot yeah. faster and more interesting uh, with the with the bow. I I did enjoy that significantly and his little sword thing. What was the name of that sword thing? Um, Stella. Was it George? I feel like mm. it was George. Atreus. <laughs> Atreus and George. You know, sword. Um. Oh yeah, George. It says here on godofwar.fandom.com slash wiki slash George. Um, it's Ingrid. Okay. I was like, I mean, George really has a good, good, good feel to it. That'd be kind of fun, right? Yeah. If I put in, if I put in that URL I just read, does that get anything? Uh, nope. So there's no text on this page. Atreus and George. Harrison from the Beatles. George Washington is the thing that came up. Yeah, okay, that's, that's yeah. fair. Yeah. Another famous George. Uh, but there you go. I don't know. I uh, I am glad that we got the story we got and that that didn't happen. <laughs> um, again, I trust the studio. Like I, would, like, I would play it, whatever. But I just think that the story we got was um, superb. A real tearjerker in a good way, in like a sentimental uh, how, way. How did you spell tear in that? Ah. And did, did, you have the, did you have the little dots? Did you have the little dots above the Y? Uh, yes, because they were really jerking that guy around, huh? Be like his corpse? It wasn't his corpse. It was like his Husk. likeness. Likeness. His likeness. likeness. God of War spoilers ending right now. Miyamoto, Mario's dad, as he likes to go by. Um, <laughs> so there was a recent interview with IGN um, that that is sort of... Uh, uh, 
happening alongside the launch of uh, the Universal Mario World. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Um, which we gotta we gotta go and expense it on the the Hitbox credit card. By the way. Um. Can we go? Actually, I know I kind of made that joke, but then I thought about like my, how fun that would be going with you or something like so that. So my fortieth birthday, Claire and I uh-huh. are gonna go to Japan. Uh, whoa. Yeah. Okay, you'll put me in the suitcase and I'll pop out. <laughs> you just like curl in. Yeah, I'm I'm flexible. I'm fine with being cozy like that for a yeah, while. It'd be great. It'd be great. And then and then you could you could be the toad on the journey. Ah! I would, I could be Mario. She would be Peach. You could be the toad. That's fun. I like that. Yeah. Well, uh, uh, in as as the opening of of Mario land world whatever it's called um the ign has been talking to miyamoto and they asked him um about uh just mario in general and he ended up saying this uh in regards to um new mario games uh because we i mean we haven't gotten one since odyssey 20 was at 17 so it's it's been a long time we haven't even really heard anything um other than bowser's fury obviously uh, but he said this miyamoto did we're always working on mario so when we get a time where we can share information, we'll certainly do so. Um, that little quote, I think, is is maybe what you're supposed to say when you are the owner of the Mario IP. Is like, yeah, we're always working on new Mario stuff, one of our most lucrative franchises. Um, but I also think it's potentially interesting um, to think that, like, okay, well, they like actually are working on something. They're just they're going to share it when they're ready. What do you think? Do you think Mario's coming out this year? any mario no i don't either i think that like I, I i don't foresee a mario game to be a shadow drop game that just comes out i think mario is going to be something that they make a thing of the release for it not like a huge like a, like a four-year process of it but like i could see it happening i mean they announced mario odyssey in the summer and it came out in the fall i think if I remember if i'm remembering correctly um which i mean like that's a pretty quick turnaround you know what i mean but with the mario movie coming out i think that thing is going to stand really well on its own um and then also like you got to look at what else nintendo is doing huge first party releases right you got fire emblem you've got pikmin you've got zelda obviously there's this big question mark for the winter period um i'm my sort of gut says we might get an update on metroid prime 4 um over the summer and that could be their holiday thing but as we know they kind of put stuff in the bank and and hold on to them so like i don't know i would be i would be surprised if we got all like the big 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 hitters all from a single year obviously that happened in 2017 but so adding on that 2017 january 13th um it was announced um oh okay and then it came out october 27th and in addition to that the switch was announced october of 2016 um so like that's still a pretty significant time maybe they will i think if they release a mario game this year it might be a a 2d not mainline 3d game it could be still something that that comes out a little bit later in october um but yeah i don't foresee it being odyssey 2 coming out and if it did i hope so like it'd be awesome that's fine by me. Yeah, I appreciate that. But yeah. Mario, if Mario comes out the same year as Zelda again, man. Yeah, that's wild. That's rough. I mean, that'd be incredible. But what a year. Um, what a year for games already. Agreed. Uh, Freaking agreed. But yeah, I don't know. Um, I would be surprised if we if we if we did, but pleasantly surprised. 
What do you think, Justin? You want to talk about The Last of Us? Episode 6? Titled? I don't know whether it was titled. It was just called Episode 6 on my thing. Uh, well, I'm, I'm typing. I'm going to IMDb, so you can do the intro music while I find the name. Uh, boing, bing, boing, bing, boing. Boing, 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 boing. Um, it's called Kin. It's called Kin, like K-I-N? Yeah, Kin. Yeah, okay, fine. Um, <laughs> All that for this... three letters. <laughs> uh, Last of Us, episode five, six came out, and it was about them meeting up with Tommy and Jackson and uh, Maria, I think is his wife's name, and they have that scene where he's like, we're trying to not anything nice. Uh, and then uh, they go to the, to the University of Eastern Colorado, and Joel gets... Uh, spoilers by the way uh stabbed with like a broken baseball bat or some shit and then he falls off the horse and that's where we end it uh justin what did you think of this episode it was good i loved it i loved um the he, loved it, he says i loved it i said um i loved the the quiet moments of them building their characters i, th- I felt mm-hmm. like this was another good one uh much as episode four uh did a really good job of kind of like getting joel and Ellie's relationship uh, to like, you, you saw like Ellie slowly, but surely melt Joel's heart. I feel like this one, it wasn't just melting uh, Joel's heart. You actually got to see them rely and love each other and talk about each other and, and be there with each other and act like really good friends. And I, I felt like they, the scene that they had um, with them uh, by the bridge with the campfire um, and she takes a drink of the liquor and they, they're going back and forth with each other. Like that was just such a good moment of like two people that went from being strangers at this point to being relying on each other. I thought it was well done. I love the dialogue. I really loved their relationship in this whole in this whole thing. It was good. I'm nodding. I'm glad. I'm glad you really liked it. I thought it was fine. Um I was a little let down to by it, to be entirely honest with you. Um uh, the bi- the big thing for me is I think the scene where Joel and Ellie have that moment in that house, the, the big scene, right? Might be the most iconic, might be one of the best acted scenes in all video games where, where he's like, where she's like, I'm not your daughter, Joel. And he's like, you're trying to make this. Uh, I think that is an absolutely phenomenal scene in the video game. And I think that it felt a little rushed and a little, uh, the motivations of that scene were a little bit different in this episode, which is fine. Like make changes, uh, if you feel they're necessary, but I thought that the changes didn't, um, I I thought the changes took away from the message of that scene and the, the emotions of that scene. Um, cause in the, in the game, like when they go and get her, like he's annoyed, he's irritated that she ran away. Um, and he's kind of trying to offload her so he doesn't have to deal with the feelings of her and, and all that sort of stuff. Um, whereas in this game, in the show, it is a similar thing, but he like explicitly says it, you know what I mean? Like in, in the game, I felt like there was a lot more subtext about like their relationship and them growing closer. And he is scared about losing her again, but it's not like, um, it's not explicitly said. Because he's not a particularly emotional person or someone who really likes to talk about his emotions, at least in the game. Um, whereas in in the show, he has this little moment with Tommy, which I did think was a fine scene where he's talking about Sarah and all that. But um, I, I felt like 
the motivations were a little bit different. And so when he does kind of snap at her and he's like, I'm not your dad, you know, like you're not my daughter. We're going our separate ways. It makes sense a little bit more sense to me in the game because he's already irritated with her. He's trying to figure out how to, how to just end things with her. And he does it like he tries to do it like that. And then ultimately changes his mind. Whereas in the show, um, it kind of comes out of nowhere just because she mentioned Sarah, you know what I mean? And obviously that is very traumatic for him, but so yeah, what do you think you, I mean, you've played the game more recently than I have, but yep. my, my read on the difference between the game and the, and the, the TV show in the game, he had that part where he was just kind of like, I need to, I need to separate from her. I need to, the, the Tommy's going to be the better one to do this. He could do this, whatever. You're my cargo. I'm going to get rid of you at this point. And they had mm-hmm. built that relationship, but it was still that moment when he was just kind of like, I need to separate. And then yeah. she says, you know, I'm not your daughter. And he's like, don't you fucking bring that up to me right now. We're not going to talk about this right now. We're not mm-hmm. going to deal with this right now. You're gone. I'm not going to deal with you. That's how yeah. I took it in the game. Right. And is mm-hmm. that more or less correct? I would say so, yeah. In this one, they set up his panic attacks that he's been having in this because he is literally afraid that he cannot protect Ellie and he can't protect Ellie. There have been all those moments of him failing to protect Ellie, not hearing um, the person coming up when they were in the Kansas City scene um, Mm -hmm. that almost killed him, Um, not hearing Henry and Sam uh, in the middle of the night, even though he was preparing for it, he couldn't hear them. And the more and more that this stuff is happening, he realizes he is ill-equipped to protect and save her. And again, he is going back to that mental state of being like, I was unable to protect and save my daughter. I'm going to do the same thing again. I cannot do that again. He was worried and nervous about that. So when Ellie comes and brings up, I'm not Sarah, it strikes a nerve in a very different way than it did in the game because it provided Mm -hmm. all that context of him literally going through this thing. And he's like, he's cut much deeper by her saying that because he had literally been the whole time being like, I can't do this again with Sarah. I can't protect her again. I can't be Sarah again. So when she says that, he says, you're not my daughter because he's like, I can't, I can't do this again. I'm not going to do this again. You're not my daughter. I'm not going to do this again. You're not going to be the one. Like, I'm I'm not going to do it. I'm done. We're done. Gone. I can't. So I feel like because of all that panic attack stuff, it's kind of setting him up better to him already doubting himself. And then he finally has this moment. Tommy, you're going to be the one that can protect Sarah, uh, Sarah, oops, that you can protect Ellie better. You're the one who can do this. I can't protect her the way she needs to be protected. I'm going to get her killed, and I can't do that again because he was being selfish in that moment. I feel like the the show set that up better with him being selfish rather than it being set up that he was just angered by Ellie running away and then her being like, listen, I'm not your daughter. Stop pretending I'm your daughter. I, I know what you mean. I guess my problem is it just felt very like they just showed they, they just told us that he feels uh, obviously we've been seeing this over and over and over again in the show and they've been doing a really good job in my opinion of show don't tell their relationship for whatever reason it felt like this episode decided to just say like to just very explicitly tell everyone what was going on and what was going on with Joel and like remove any sort of ambiguity or any sort of subtext, whatever that I think is what makes that scene so powerful. And what makes their conflict so powerful is that he's unwilling to talk about it with anyone. Right. Even when he talks about it to Tommy in the game, he doesn't talk about like how he feels about it with Joel uh, with, 
in regards to like Sarah and everything like that. Um, he just talks about like what she is in terms of like being immune and all that sort of stuff. Uh, so, so to me, it's just the shift from like really great, like showing us that relationship. to then just like, boom, I'm going to tell you exactly explicitly what this relationship is to him. And like, we already know it, it to me, it dampened it a little bit. Um, and, and I, I think that there's a great scene of him thinking about Sarah in the episode. Not what, not the, when we like explicitly see her face and everything, but when he leaves the bar after Tommy tells me that he's going to have a kid and he sees the, the woman who uh, has like hair similar to hers and like seems to be about the age that she would be. And like, that's so great because it's, he's not standing there being like, wow, that looks a lot like Sarah. Like we come to that realization with him. You know what I mean? Like, um, I don't know. I, it, it, I didn't hate the episode. Uh, and that scene in particular, I was just let down a little bit by, I think on its own, it's still a decent scene. Um, but I don't like some of the world building stuff either with I Jackson. Mean, I, I, I personally, f- uh, we'll, we'll talk to Jackson in a second. I personally feel like they do a better job of setting up the relationship between Joel and Ellie in the TV show than they do in the the game i feel like oh wow interesting because i feel like the time between everything makes more sense than just these season jumps with them we see a lot more of the in between because the the way the time works you have that initial that that initial moment together then you have a big time jump for when they get to kansas city then you have another time jump when they're in the winter um and then they're going to jackson they eventually find tommy like they have more of those moments to build that relationship with each other the more of those quiet times that you don't necessarily have in the game in the same way because in the game they do it through the action with the dialogue as it's happening as you're walking and exploring in this one the time and the beats that they have of them just walking with nothing happening are much bigger throughout the whole thing than it was in the game because the game is much more concentrated to those four times because it's almost like each season is like a a whole moment with them right like they I, don't I, jump cut i personally in the disagree with i personally disagree with you uh, I think that the relationship is set up way better and way more established in the game because you spend a lot more time with them um in the beginning of their relationship i feel like in the show it pretty pretty quickly cuts to them being um, having this relationship, you know what I mean? This sort of like newfound family relationship um, that doesn't have a lot of the conflict that I think makes the beginning of the game so compelling and makes the end of the game so satisfying when when he chooses her over everything. But You spend more time with the characters because you're spending longer going through the tunnels. You're right, but yeah. But the, the, the time for the relationship to sink in isn't as much there because there's not as many like mini jump cuts of their relationship. It's basically you're in what was start summer. It doesn't explicitly say, but it feels it's like summer, summer like fall, fall, winter, and then spring. And yeah. like, cause you're basically only, you only have four jump cuts of time with them. And in each of those seasons, they spend e- the entire time with each other. Whereas in the show, it's much more segmented for that relationship to be built out slowly and they mm-hmm. get you moments that aren't just within that one time. And I really see her melting Joel much better in the TV show than in the game. Because in the TV show, there's so many more little moments where he is slowly just being like stabbed with her by little moment, little moment, little moment, and eventually kind of caves in with what she's doing. Mm-hmm. So then we get to this moment when he is really already at this point when they get to Jackson, her father. 
He has yeah. become that friend, that father figure to her, and he can't take it. He's literally physically unable to take it because he's having these panic attacks and this reaction to it. And that's why when he gets to Jackson, it's like, I got to separate you. In the game, he doesn't rely on Ellie for anything until what's going to happen in the next episode when she literally saves him and literally brings him together and is literally there kind of like like saving him. And that's when I think their relationship kind of comes full circle in a way. Uh, I would disagree. I think it happens in Pittsburgh when she, when he gives her the gun. Yeah. I mean, I can well, see. I, I think, I think that's, that's when they mo- start to like, that's, when he starts to see her as a full person, as opposed to just being, I think that's when he starts to let himself slip a little bit. I would say he does that because he can't protect her on his own more. So like he realizes that he needs that extra set of eyes on her in Pittsburgh. So I always interpret it that she proves herself as being that he finally sees her as not just useful, not just like, oh, well, she needs a gun because she needs to be protected. But then be, her being like him being like, you know what? You're right. We are a team like we can't I can't just keep pretending like it's just me when obviously we are a team. But does he picture her as the daughter in that scene? To me, I, I get I feel that way when after he because he yells at her. She's like, I just saved your life and you're fucking yelling at me, yelling at me like what? what's wrong with you? And they have this like there's this beat, you, you know, 10 minutes or so of exploring. And then eventually he gives her the gun. He teaches her all about it. And they have this moment. And to me, that's when it starts to be like she is growing into this role for him, for me. And that's just my interpretation of it. But, mm-hmm. but is I, again, I go with the time thing because that's still in the same season, isn't it? Yeah. So like, it doesn't like there's not as much of that time to build with it, and at least I feel like the moment in the in the TV show when he finally starts seeing her as like being more than just a, a, a daughter, a, a cargo, is the scene with Henry and Sam. When he's slowly like, well, like right before they go to bed in that scene, that's at the end episode three, I think it four. is, or four, when when, four. When she, with the jokes. Yeah, with the jokes and stuff. Yeah, like I feel like that's when, when by that point, he, she's finally like stabbed him enough with with her like wit to for her to like let him in with her heart. Yeah, no, I think that's fair. But I don't know. So like, why didn't you like Jackson? It just felt too much of a like. Um remember this like you got dina she shows up for i shouldn't mean lines but like you've got dina in the corner um you know losing her religion um that's a little little music joke are you familiar it's a song um (laughs) it's me in the corner (laughs) that's me in the spot it doesn't matter um you got dina in the corner uh ellie talks about how when she first went to jackson um she like she was eating really fast because she had never seen so much food before and all this sort of stuff. Uh, and then you've got like Marie or Maria being like, um, Ellie, come look at our horses. This is a baby horse named shimmer. I hope it doesn't walk over a landmine in 10 years. Like, <laughs> I don't know. It just, it just seemed very much like you remember this stuff. It's from the game. Whereas like previously those sorts of like, remember this have been really subtle. Like, like they talked about the, um, the guy who protected the underground uh, uh, place, you know what I'm talking about, in uh, Kansas City. 
um, they, they, they see the picture of the guy who's like our protector and like us in the games, we know what that is, but it's not like a called shot. It's not some sort of like we're setting something up. It's just a reference. Whereas in, um, in Jackson, it was all like, there's Dina. She's going to be important later. And here's that thing that Ellie said about in the last of us part two, about her eating and look at it's the, it's the, um, it's the horse and the sheep that she's going to have at the end. And like, all, do you know what I'm trying to say? I think I do. I, I think the Dina thing is a little weird um, to a certain point because they're literally like called they, to, to that moment. It seemed like it was definitely like a like a spotlight on that moment as being like, yeah. you're going to see this again. But I think what they did by actually going to Jackson instead of like being at the dam and in the game, they're setting up the power for the first time. Right. Yeah. They're getting it running. Yeah. And they're basically like, we're going to make this community. Whereas in this game, uh, game in this version, they already had a community. And right. what I think that does is it makes Joel see and it convinces Joel that there's something else out there. And he even changes what he wants to do with his life after going to Jackson and seeing that kind of thing, because he actually sees a society that works. He sees this world that's different. Um, Ellie sees this world that that's different. And what's that line he says um, uh, to Tommy uh, when he when he's about to like leave, you can count on it. Like, you better come back to this or something like that. And he's like, you better count on it. What's that specific yeah. line? I don't um, know. Because for that, it's not only the fact that he's coming back to just his brother. He's coming back to like a regular place. World, he's coming yeah. back to a, a normal world. And him and Ellie have something to go back to. Not just a promise. Not just a hope. They've experienced it. They've seen it. They lived it. They know what they can have. And I think that's going to make the end even that much more impactful with what they with what they're doing. Because it's not just the hope of Jackson. It is Jackson. That's what they're going back to. Uh, to clarify, it's, I, I don't dislike that they go into Jackson like the town as opposed to just being in the power plant, whatever, from the game. Uh, I just, I didn't like the way that they handled like Ellie, here are all the things that you're going to use later in part two. You know what I mean? Just like, here's your horse and here's your future girlfriend. And here's your, uh, here's the sheep that you're going to have at the very end. You know what I mean? Like, and I know they called out the sheep um, with, with uh, Joel. So I will excuse that one. And I thought that was a nice reference to last of us too i know that um, like that just makes it such just like a sweeter moment that her that her house is his dream house yes yes like i am willing to accept the sheep that's fine i just thought that it was a little heavy-handed with its a little silly with its references of like you know this you know shimmer you know dina do you know what i mean by this or am i completely off base here I don't think you're off base. I, I think because the Dina thing did seem to be a little bit unnecessary to like be like, is that going to be the actress they use? I don't, I don't even saw her face. There were all the, there was this tweet, this like phrase that was trending on Twitter was Paulina like, was Van that, it was like, was that Dina? What the fuck do you think? What do you mean? Was that Dina? Yes. Obviously that was Dina. Obviously yeah. that was Dina. What are you, what are you talking about? Was that Dina? Yes, obviously. So she's credited in two episodes. She's credited in Kin episode six as the staring girl and episode seven as the staring girl also. So one might assume she comes back for some reason. Hmm. So I don't know why, but like, what are your thoughts he about the rest? Like, the rest of the season because we have three episodes left next episode pretty much seems to be left behind yep 
then we have the uh, the this is like David David section, and then yep. the end is going to be them spring the spring section, which is only like a forty minute episode, I think, which I'm a little worried about to be honest. Um, in the video game, it is they have the scene with the giraffes, and then it's two hours of sh- the f- like the finale with the clickers, and then. The hospital. It is not a long section. I mean, well, I in not, terms of like story, I know it's not a lot, but you would hope that, like, I, I pacing wise, like, it, to be honest, the another thing that I, I felt was weird about this episode was it moved at a fucking clip, man. They go from being out in the wilderness to being in in Jackson to having that breakup fight to then going to the university of whatever, then to. Uh, him being injured like it, it felt like it was like maybe four beats that I felt like maybe we could have just done with three of them or something like that um, and in like you think about like when you get to the universe the school in the game that's like a two hour two and a half hour section that was maybe 10 minutes you know what I mean so I think like with the hospital stuff like that's just gonna go by really fast like him running across the hospital and then they're going to have that moment with the giraffes before that. And then basically the game's over after that. You know what I mean? Like it's another like 10, 20 minutes of, of them walking around. But yeah, I just worry though. I mean, if it is going to be a shorter episode, I thought I saw the runtime of it being like 40 minutes. Um, yeah, I wouldn't, I would like more time to be, let because it like, I think like one of the, one of the, the impactful things of that moment too, is that moment when they separate each other. Cause they have that thing when they fall, like they go in under the, the, the tunnel and they fall in the water and then like yeah. they basically pass out and then they get saved by the fireflies and they wake up and he doesn't see Ellie anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, so are they going to do that? Cause you would assume they have to have some kind of like clicker confrontation in that episode. I guess I, I, I didn't like, um, Craig Mazin said something about the clickers that I didn't necessarily agree with, where he was basically like, yeah, we didn't really know what to do with them because they're, uh, they're just gameplay. <laughs> and, and like, he said that after last week's episode in the behind the episode where he basically was like, we don't really have them in the show very much because like, how do you translate that gameplay to the TV show? And like, I don't know, like it's your job. I don't know. You tell me. <laughs> <laughs> like, like to me, the answer is not don't put them in the show, you know. Um, yeah, I would also assume that there's going to be some sort of additional clicker stuff. Or, to be honest, that might be in the... So we're going to get clickers next week, obviously, with Left Behind. And then we'll get some, we might get some clickers with David. If you remember in that thing, she kills the deer. And then they get attacked by clickers, which is why she even goes with him in the first place. Mm-hmm. So there might be that, but then from there on out, like, yeah, it's, it's not super, they're not super central to the story. Yeah. I mean, it's really, it's really not a story about zombies or clickers. No. It's a story about people. Yeah. Right. But, they always say every, every, every zombie, every zombie like movie always says it's, it's not about the zombies. It's about someone, human someone said, someone said like, um, it's not the walking dead. It's the last of us. It's about us. You know, the last of us, the people. And I was like, I don't know if you know this. Like, that's fine if you don't. The Walking Dead is not re- referencing the zombies. <laughs> yeah, right. It's a whole reveal. It's a whole thing. And, it's referencing and, and, the people. We are the Walking Dead is the thing. And, and pretty much after season two, the zombies just become like fodder for them to be badasses with guns the whole time. <laughs> like, yeah. It's just like 
yeah. they all become like John laugh. Wick. Like, it's not it's not The Walking Dead. It's The Last of Us. It's about us. I was like, The Walking Dead the title is about them too. Um, so just um, really quick, this is like not necessarily confirmed yet, but these are the episode times that we have remaining. Episode seven is fifty six minutes. Episode yeah. eight is fifty one minutes, and episode yeah. nine is forty three minutes. Oh gosh, I would like more. Like a season two, maybe? Maybe, but I would like more. I mean, just to me, like, I feel like you look at what role Joel is going to have for the rest of this. He's obviously not really going to be in the next episode very much. Yeah, and, and by role he has, I mean, like, role he has with Ellie and their growth. He's not going to be with her really very much in the episode after next because they'll be separated. He'll do that whole, like... uh Stealth moment when he comes and like does the torture sh- the scene, yeah, which they parodied in this they, they one. They kind of did in this one where he's like, "You better," but like yeah. the, it's not the same kind of Joel, you know. Like I think they're like one thing that they're doing with this with this series is they're really making yeah. Joel not a as much of a badass as you think he is as he is in the game because yeah. he is like physically just deteriorating. It's his hearing, his like awareness, his all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, like to the point when he shot that gun in this episode, I literally thought he missed. <laughs> until they showed it remember he was like they're doing the target practice and they, oh, they yeah, showed yeah. him shoot it and they cut away and i was like did he miss it and then they showed he yeah. hit the bullseye but like i was like okay i guess he can still hit that kind of stuff but um also i know it's it's a whole suspension of disbelief thing i always liked him falling on the rebar i always thought that was like a very like <sighs> kind of moment you know what i mean whereas him just getting like stabby stabbed with a uh I think it was. It, I think it was when he the guy missed and it was like shrapnel from the bat. You know what I mean? That was yeah. Whatever. I know it's like it's it's tra- translating those like gameplay set pieces into a TV show where you are suspending your disbelief. You watch a piece of rebar go through someone's stomach. You're like, oh, you are dead. Oh no, you're dead. You're dead. You're dead. You're dead. You know. I still think it it it, it appeared in this that he was he's gone. <laughs> Yeah, I, Josh and I were talking about like I wonder if people like who are watching this who haven't played the game are like I think he's fucking dead. I think. so. Oh yeah, <laughs> no kidding. Wait, for real? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. He can't say it because I assume she's in the room over, but Justin uh, pointed towards his wife. I was gonna say girlfriend, and then I was like, no, fiance, and then I was like, wife. They're married. I was there. I saw it with my eyes. Um, you know what else I saw with my eyes, Justin? The end of this episode, because it's here <laughs> and it's now. Um, thanks so much for listening. We truly appreciate your um, your time. I know this was a little bit of a longer one, but hey, there were a lot of games that came out. What do you want from us? We're a video game podcast. That's what we do. Uh, if you are interested, go ahead and hop on over to patreon.com slash hitboxpod. Become a $1 uh, podcast producer or a three dollar deluxe podcast producer like Jay Noel, like Dave Parker. Get those extra bonus episodes. Um, additionally, you can hop into our Discord server. The link to that is in the description of this episode. If you don't have any money to throw our way, all good. Go ahead and follow us on Twitter or give us a rating on your podcast player, your pod catcher, I've heard it referred to as, of choice. Um, that five-star rating does us, does us just fine. I think we've we've earned it. Five yes. stars. Five stars. Oh, you, Justin was like placing his hand towards the camera, and I was like, what am I looking at here? Five fingers. Um, five fingers, five finger death punch. My favorite metal band. That's not true. My favorite metalcore band is 
Kill Switch Engage. I don't know if that's true either. Um, I couldn't you know, name a single your, one. Who's your favorite metalcore band, Justin? Uh, I'm going to type in metalcore band. Um, bring me the horizon. Okay, that's actually not a terrible pick. Um, they're pretty good. Anyway, <laughs> thanks so much for listening. Um, I think Drown is their big one. Yeah. Or was their big one? No, Drown. Is that right? Um, I can't even. Tell me more. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Um, (laughs) thanks so much for listening we will catch you next week always remember old games are old bye bye